0: Holy Father in heaven, praise, honor, glory, and adoration be unto your holy name for your goodness and your love and your mercy, which you have freely bestowed upon all of us. We are thankful, Lord, because you have also given us the privilege of life, which we know we don't deserve. Thank you, Father, for good health. Thank you for the spiritual blessings you give to us. Lord in heaven, Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and make us instruments by which your will is done. We pray, Father, that as we go through our devotion, that you would grant to us understanding, pour upon us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and grant to us the ability to put into practice all that we will learn. Open our minds, dear Lord, that we may receive the light from heaven. Put your words in my mouth, O Lord, for I have nothing to say to bless anyone please bless each and every one of us with these words in Jesus name I've prayed Amen Conflict and Courage March 19 Worth More Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26 Moses had been a student. He was well educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, but this was not the only qualification which he needed to prepare him for his work. He was in the providence of God to learn patience, to temper his passions. In a school of self-denial and hardships, he was to receive an education which would be of the utmost importance to him. These trials would prepare him to exercise a fatherly care over all who needed his help. No knowledge, no study, no eloquence could be a substitute for this experience in trials, to one who was to watch for souls as they that must give an account. In doing the work of a humble shepherd, In being forgetful of self and interested for the flock given to his charge, he was to become fitted for the most exalted work ever entrusted to mortals, that of being a shepherd of the sheep of the Lord's pasture. Those who fear God in the world must be connected with him. Christ is the most perfect educator the world ever knew. To receive wisdom and knowledge from him, was more valuable to Moses than all the learning of the Egyptians. The faith of Moses led him to look at the things which are unseen, which are eternal. He left the splendid attractions of court life because sin was there. He gave up present and seeming good that flattered only to ruin and destroy. The real attractions, the eternal, were of value to him. The sacrifices made by Moses were really no sacrifices. With him, it was letting go a present, apparent, flattering good for sure, high, immortal good. Moses endured the reproach of Christ, considering reproach greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. He believed what God had said and was not influenced to swerve from his integrity by any of the world's reproaches. He walked the earth as God's free man. He looked to the things unseen and faltered not. The recompense of reward was attractive to him, and it may be also to us. He was familiar with God. Amen. The title of our devotion is Worth More. Our key text is taken from the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26. And it says, speaking about Moses, that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Here, we continue looking at the life of Moses and what transpired after he had done something that was not in harmony with god's will after he had killed that egyptian the bible says in exodus 2 verse 15 now when pharaoh heard this thing he sought to slay moses but moses fled from the face of pharaoh and dwelt in the land of midian and he sat down by a well now the priest of midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock and the shepherds came and drove them away But Moses stood up and helped them And watered their flock And when they came to Ruel, Their father he said How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds And also drew water enough for us And watered the flock And he said unto his daughters And where is he? why is it that you have left the man call him that he may eat bread and Moses was content to dwell with the man and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter and she bare him a son and he called his name Jershom, for he said I have been a stranger in a strange land that's the account of what happened to Moses after he killed that Egyptian it's very important to know that even he they thought he was an egyptian so you can tell that really moses had been educated by the egyptians so much so that just by looks and in his speech and just conversing with him the ladies said an egyptian saved us they didn't see him as a hebrew the education of egypt has so transformed moses that he was like an egyptian and he needed to be re-educated. As he stayed in the house of his father-in-law, he began a new occupation, different from that which he did before. And the Bible records in Exodus 2 verse 21 that Moses was content to dwell with the man. Moses was not grumbling. Moses was not complaining. Moses was not troubled. He was not recounting for them all the glories of Egypt and saying how he misses this and he misses that. You know some time later when the children of Egypt left Egypt and were on their way to Canaan, a time came when they laid that complaint oh we missed the leeks and the onions and the garlic and the flesh foods that we were eating in Egypt. It was not so for Moses. Moses was content with his new location and he was also content with his new occupation. He became a shepherd. Now he is in God's university doing the work of tending after the flock, the sheep, and that was what he was doing. It's very important to know that he was content. Why was Moses content? In Hebrews 11, as we have read before, reading from verse 24, 25 to 26, it says that when Moses was of age, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose rather to suffer with the children of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? It's in our key text for today, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. In the eyes of Moses, where he was now, and the work he was doing, and the lessons he was learning, which is God's university now, was worth more to him than all the glories and pleasures of Egypt. Can you imagine somebody choosing to be a shepherd over being a pharaoh? Can you imagine someone choosing to live in the mountains and the countryside over living in the courts of Egypt? Can you imagine someone choosing to stay in the work of taking care of the flocks where there is no praise, no glory, it's only humility and meekness. It's a work that one will do. And even if you are doing that today, some people will be ashamed of themselves. It's not one of honor and dignity. Choosing that and be content with that above being in Egypt through the education there where you are lauded over and over and you are praised and honored and you are treated like you are a god. Because that was what he was going to get being the next pharaoh but Moses was content. Why? By faith. That's why I emphasize faith is a very important thing. Moses was looking at things through the eyes of faith and that's why he was content. Moses had learned violence from the school of Egypt. He was mighty in words and deeds. These words are just a concise way of saying how well read Moses was. He was an orator, a poet, general, and a historian. He was a pride of the nation and was well qualified to be the next pharaoh. With this qualification, he taught. He made a mistake. He taught. He was also qualified to do service for God. You can say that Moses was this kind of person who learned espionage, covert operations, and how to be a double agent. He was like the MI5 and MI6 and the CIA of today, KGB agent. He used his skills that he learned from the world to do service for God. He looked this way that's what the bible said when he saw the oppression he looked this way and then he looked that way and he slew the egyptian thinking he was doing service for god now think of all that is needed in the mind to murder a person taking people's lives was not a new thing for moses therefore he did not hesitate to kill that egyptian as god would have it pharaoh started to look for moses to kill him and moses had to run away and now being in Jethro's house he was content. Moses was content to be there because he knew he needed a new education and this new education taught of God there he was content to be because he knew that he needed a different qualification and that's why we read the sacrifices made by Moses were really new sacrifices with him, it was letting go a present, apparent, flattering good, for sure, high, immortal good. End of quote. You see, by faith, we also, like Moses, can place a greater value on the education gotten from the Word of God, which is the science of salvation. Moses realized that the education of the world is useless to deliver from sin or to solve the world's problems. He was a sinner in need of a Savior. And all the education of the world could not deliver him from a guilty conscience, neither could it save him from the death penalty that the judge of the earth had proclaimed on all sinners. Let us pause to ask ourselves, of what worth is an education that does not save from death compared to one that promises eternal life? When we understand the science of salvation, then we will know why Moses placed more value on the education he got from God, even separating himself from Egypt than on the one he got from Egypt. Reading from Christian Education, page 83, paragraph 2, it says, The schools established among us are matters of grave, grave responsibility, for important interests are involved. In a special manner, our schools are a spectacle unto angels and to men. A knowledge of science of all kinds is power, and it is in the purpose of God that advanced science shall be taught in our schools as a preparation for the work that is to precede the closing scenes of earth's history. The truth is to go to the remotest bounds of the earth through agents trained for the work. But while the knowledge of science is a power, the knowledge which Jesus in person come to impart to the world was the knowledge of the Gospel. The light of truth was to flash in its bright rays into the uttermost parts of the earth, and the acceptance or rejection of the message of God involved the eternal destiny of souls. So, let us ask: which is more important? Like we just read, science is power, and nobody is discrediting that. But I am surely discrediting false science, like I mentioned there are the things that tell lies. Those are not true science. True science is in line with the Word of God. False science is totally opposite things like evolution and all the carbon dating that claims to be science but it is not actually science based on principles that are not actually true, assumptions that make them continue to date things in the billions of years. Those are false sciences. And also even the social sciences, there is a lot of it that is false where they talk about social construction and today now the so-called doctors and professors are so confused that they don't even know who a man is and who a woman is. They're talking about gender fluidity and having so much gender. We don't need to have arguments about those things. This is just telling you the confusion. Those are false sciences because the true science, when you even follow it, what does it tell us? It tells us that the man has the XY chromosome and the females have the XX chromosome. And these are the things that determine who a male is and who a female is. That is true science. But false science doesn't have anything to base on. It just keeps talking. Things from the head. That has no basis whatsoever. False science. While even that true science is power, Why is it that that was not what Jesus was teaching all over the place? It is because that science cannot give you eternal life. People's eternal destiny is not hanging on whether they know biology or not. People's eternal destiny is not hanging on whether they know chemistry or whether they know all the um, physics and the laws of of this uh, physics and chemistry, that is not what people's eternal destiny is hanging on we need to ask ourselves that great question, a million dollar question Jesus asked, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world, and I would say to know chemistry, and physics and biology, and algebra and differentiation, and integration and calculus, what will it profit you to know all those things and then you lose your soul is it going to save you or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So which one is worth more? No one is saying that science is not worth anything. It is worth something. And like we read now, it has power. It is powerful. But doesn't have power to save. What is the point in knowing all those things only for me to die later? It has no power to save. So the wise person will, worth, will value the science of salvation above than science in nature. Continuing the reading in Christian Education, page 83, reading from paragraph 3 now it says, The plan of salvation has had its place in the councils of the infinite from all eternity. The Gospel is the revelation of God's love to men and means everything that is essential to the happiness and well-being of humanity. The work of God in the earth is of immeasurable importance and it is Satan's special object, to crowd it out of sight and mind, that he may make his special devices effectual in the destruction of those for whom Christ died. It is his purpose to cause the discoveries of men to be exalted above the wisdom of God. When the mind is engrossed with the conceptions and theories of men, to the exclusion of the wisdom of God, it is stamped with idolatry. Science, falsely so called, has been exalted above God, nature above its maker, and how can God look upon such wisdom? In the Bible, the whole duty of man is defined. Solomon says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I want to add before I continue reading. Before Solomon said this, he made a comment. This is the man who is intelligent and wise. In Ecclesiastes 12 verse 12 Not verse 13 now where he said fear god he said something he said to the writing of books there is no end and much knowledge and reading is a weariness to the flesh then he now said let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear god and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man so i'll continue the reading now the will of god is revealed in his written word and this is the essential knowledge are well, they teaching it in the schools you don't hear the will of god being taught in the schools you hear things that will not save you from death and from the sickness and from the woes that are coming upon the world you don't hear that in the schools human wisdom familiarity with the languages of different nations is a help in the missionary work and understanding of the customs of the people of the location and time of events is practical knowledge for it aids in making the figures of the Bible clear in bringing out the force of Christ's lessons, but it is not positively necessary to know these things. The wayfaring man may find the pathway cast up for the ransom to walk in, and there will be no excuse found for anyone who perishes through misapprehension of the scriptures. In the Bible, which is the true education now. In the Bible. When we are saying God's university, we are referring to studying God's word. Because that's the only way you can know God. Remember, true education is the knowledge of God. Jesus said, John 17 verse 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. How else can you know God? God is revealed in the Bible through his word. A study of the Bible, not in the way that is practiced in the theological schools, but a study of the Bible where the Holy Spirit is your teacher. That is God's university when he, you, God uses the objects around nature to, to explain his word to you and the experiences you pass through like, like Moses as he was training the flocks He was learning lessons. He was in God's university. As a man who was going to be a leader, he needed to learn self-forgetfulness and in caring for those sheep, he learned self-forgetfulness and there was a lot he could relate with in that experience that trained him for the service he was going to give to God later and he was in communication with God in that time. So continuing the reading now it is in the Bible, every vital principle is declared. Every duty made plain, every obligation made evident. The whole duty of man is summed up by the Savior. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Matthew 13, verse 37 and 39. In the word, the plan of salvation is plainly delineated. The gift of eternal life is promised on condition of saving faith in Christ. The drawing power of the Holy Spirit is pointed out as an agent in the work of man's salvation. The rewards of the faithful, the punishment of the guilty are all laid out in clear lines. The Bible contains the science of salvation for all those who will hear and do the words of Christ." End of quote. So we come to the question, which education is worth more? An education that perishes with the using? that doesn't give you eternal life that doesn't give you the peace of mind that doesn't take away your guilt that doesn't give you a change in character and ennoble your character making you patient loving mild and meek that doesn't give you self control that makes you passionate is that the education that is worth more is it which one is worth more between that and an education that gives you eternal life that transforms your character to be in the likeness and the image of God that ennobles, that elevates, that brings you into the highest civilization possible. And what is that? The character of God. That is civilization. It's not what they are calling civilization here, building skyscrapers and then they say civilization. Is that what civilization is? Civilization is a change of character. The highest civilization is the civilization of heaven. And it is not about mansions. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, is righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. It is not about eating and drinking, like like the world wants to say, Oh, we are civilized. What do they call civilized? Because they have some big structures here and some technological stuff, then they say they are civilized. That's the world's way of defining civilization. The best civilization that is worth more than whatever the world can give is that transformation of character into the image and likeness of God and the only way, the only place we can find it and be taught of it is the word of God and the only person that can teach us is the Holy Spirit it is not taught by men men can talk but it's only the Holy Spirit that can give us understanding of God's word and that's the reason why even the theological schools are places where we should ask ourselves questions are they really of value? reading from Ministry of Healing, page 441, it says, As a preparation for Christian work, many think it's essential to acquire an extensive knowledge of historical and theological writings. They suppose that this knowledge will be an aid to them in teaching the gospel, but their laborious study of the opinions of men tends to the enfeebling of their ministry rather than to its strengthening. As I see libraries filled with ponderous volumes of historical and theological lore, I think, why spend money for that which is not bread? The sixth chapter of John tells us more than can be found in such works. Christ says, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's John 6, 35, 51, 47, and 63. Going on it says, But history, as commonly studied, is concerned with man's achievements, his victories in battle, his success in attaining power and greatness. God's agency in the affairs of men is lost sight of. Few study the working out of his purpose in the rise and fall of nations and to a great degree theology as studied and taught is but a record of human speculation, serving only to darken counsel by words without knowledge. Too often, the motive in accumulating these many books is not so much a desire to obtain food for mind and soul as it is an ambition to become acquainted with philosophers and theologians, a desire to present Christianity to the people in learned terms and propositions. Not all the books written can serve the purpose of a holy life. Learn of me, said the great teacher. Take my yoke upon you. Learn my meekness and lowliness. Your intellectual pride will not aid you in communicating with souls that are perishing for want of bread of life. In your study of these books, you are allowing them to take the place of the practical lessons you should be learning from Christ. With the results of this study, the people are not fed. Very little of the research which is so wearying to the mind furnishes that which will help one to be a successful laborer for souls. End of quote. Need I say more? I think it is very clear that when we study theology for these purposes and and motives for our own intellectual pride, you will not help anyone. Theology as it is done today, and I'm not talking of the word theology, just saying that everything theology is bad, no. Theology as it is studied in the universities is not helping. But when it is studied to teach holiness, like we read now, all the writing of the books, like we said, all of them it will not serve the purpose of a holy life I read that part again not all the books written can serve the purpose of a holy life which is what theology ought to do and the very fact that people are even giving degrees for studying God is a shame so what? somebody comes out and says he's a doctor in divinity doctor in studying God now you know everything about God and if you really know God what does God know knowledge of God give? It gives eternal life and the pride that comes with it oh my people feel now oh I'm a doctor in theology I, it's those degrees. If there's anything that should never have a degree, it is the study of the so called theology. You cannot say you have studied God to the point of you're a master in studying God, a doctor, professor in studying God. Think about that again and ask yourself is this not the reason why Jesus said, Call no man master, call no man rabbi? Is it not because of this? The worldly education has taught us to call people rabbis and masters, but today we just call it professor and doctor in this and doctor in that. That's it. There are many who doubt that the education received through Christ actually gives eternal life. But by faith, Moses could see which education was worth more. Like many other faithfuls, he saw the futility of the things of this world. The wisdom of the world has failed. While they profess to be wise, they became fools. They pay huge sums of money to purchase that which is not bread. Like Babylon, their wise men are confounded. What does an education that comes from Christ afford us? It affords us pleasures forevermore and eternal life. It affords us righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It affords us a peace that passeth all understanding and freedom from the guilt of sin and also from sin itself. Deep down in all men is a knowledge of sin and a longing for something which all the pleasures of this world cannot satisfy. And The education that comes from God has these advantages that it affords us. So reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 1, page 66, paragraph 2, it says, Gospel versus Science and Literature. Science and literature cannot bring into the darkened mind of men the light which the glorious gospel of the Son of God can bring. The Son of God alone can do the great work of illuminating the soul. No wonder Paul exclaims, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans chapter one verse sixteen. The gospel of Christ becomes personality to those who believe and makes them living epistles, known and read of all men. In this way, the living of godliness passes into the multitude. The heavenly intelligences are able. To discern the true elements of greatness in character, for only goodness is esteemed as efficiency with God. So, here clearly we see, once more reiterating what I have been saying, the knowledge that gives you eternal life. Science does not do it, and you cannot put two of them on the same level, and one needs to come before the other, and that is the knowledge of the gospel. Paul was a man trained in the schools of this world and that's why he could say I am not ashamed of the newfound education that I have which is the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. His, his pharisaical teachings which is the law that people study today. It couldn't give him eternal life and he prized one more than the other. He, it was worth more to him. The science of salvation and so it was for Moses. So it can be for you too if you will lower your pride and look at things through the same eyes of faith and understand that it is not your qualifications of so-called excellence here in this field of learning or the other that gives you eternal life it is nothing in the eyes of god if you do not know god and the schools do not teach it science does not teach it it is found in the word of god so what more does the education of god the educational system of god do for us as opposed to what the worldly system of education does it can help to cure the evils that are in our society today are you seeing what's going on around us we have crime we have bloodshed we have sickness war why do we have these things around it is because god is not in the land the knowledge of god is not in the land but the education that comes from god if it is heeded to it will solve all these problems reading now mind character and personality page 66 paragraph 3 it says the gospel alone can cure evils cursing society The only remedy for the sins and sorrows which we call crime today of men is Christ. The gospel of his grace alone can cure the evils that curse society. Let me stop. Do we hear of so many schemes that are done today in the world to help the criminal. You hear in the US, oh gun control, we need to take away the guns and others will say, oh no, we need to leave the guns. That's not the guns that are the problem. Let us do this training and that training but Christ is not brought into their training. The word of God is not brought into their training. They will try in vain forever and ever and the evils of this world will never ever be cured. As far as the world keeps pushing Christ out of the picture, it will continue like this and it will get worse. The cure to the evils that curse the society is Christ. It is the education that comes from the word of God. That is the cure to the evils that curse our society. Continuing the reading, it says, The injustice of the rich towards the poor, the hatred of the poor toward the rich, alike have their root in selfishness, and this can be eradicated only through submission to Christ. He alone, for the selfish heart of sin, gives the new heart of love. Let the servants of Christ preach the gospel, with the Spirit sent down from heaven, and work as He did for the benefit of men, then such results will be manifest in the blessing and uplifting of mankind as are wholly impossible of accomplishment by human power, structural adjustment program, poverty elevation scheme. So many of them are done all over the world, UNICEF, UNIDIS and UNIDAT, World Health Organization, all of that. Has He solved the problem? all the so-called philanthropy of people who are so-called philanthropists, but they are actually many of them are just thieves who are giving back the money to the poor who they stole it from and they are saying oh, we are giving it to you. Whereas they stole it from them and then they are now answering the name of philanthropists. What a joke. It is still the neglect of the word of God that has caused the greed. Neglect of Christ. But then their true education will solve these problems. Again, continuing the reading it says only through harmonious development can perfection be attained the improvement of the mind is a duty which we owe to ourselves to society and to god but we should never devise means for the cultivation of the intellect at the expense of the moral and spiritual which is what the world does they devise means for the cultivation of the intellect not a bad thing But it is supposed to be secondary to the cultivation of the spiritual and the moral because that is the real education. That is the one that gives life. It is not the cultivation of the intellect, but rather the cultivation of the moral and the spiritual. The cultivation of the intellect is only good so much as the intellect is going to be used to help to carry out what has been learned in the moral and spiritual and it is only by the harmonious development of both the mental and moral faculties that the highest perfection of either can be attained. Another thing that this gospel education does for us is that it provides a steadfast purpose. Reading from Mind, Character and Personality, Volume 1, page 67, paragraph 4, it says, Every one of us needs to have a deep insight into the teachings of the Word of God. Our minds must be prepared to stand every test and to resist every temptation, whether from without or from within. We must know why we believe as we do, why we are on the Lord's side. The truth must keep watch in our hearts, ready to sound an alarm and summon us to action against every foe. The powers of darkness will open their batteries upon us. And all who are indifferent and careless, who have set their affections on the earthly treasure, and who have not cared to understand God's dealings with his people will be ready victims. No power but a knowledge of the truth as it is in Jesus will ever make us steadfast. But with this one may chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight. So these are some of the advantages of the true education gotten from the word of God, making Christ and the Bible our educator. People think that by knowing things in the word of God that it will make us dull. It is not true. As we have been studying our devotion from Genesis, now we are in Exodus, and remember when we started looking at the ancient times, that is the antediluvians, look at how much we knew. The world is confusing people and making people dull. The Bible tells us the real truth. Take for example the truth about the antediluvians who lived almost a thousand years old and all the antiquities that they had and also the things they achieved. They were men of renown is what the Bible says. It makes us more intelligent. And when we know this truth, we realize that we are in line with the truth that man is not evolving, but man is even degrading. And when we also understand the things that had to do with the achievements of these people, we realize we are only getting better in our knowledge and intelligence than what the world teaches, which are lies. Lies. So they are feeding people in the school. No, I'm not saying everything they teach is lies. I'm talking of these things I just mentioned now, when it comes to the origin of man, telling us evolution and all. And even hiding the truth to make us not to know that they were actually giants in those days and that man has been coming, been becoming smaller and smaller instead of telling us the truth that we are becoming smaller, they are telling us we are evolving and all what not. Things that the people did in the past that we cannot even achieve today, what's the explanation for that? Only the bible provides explanation. We see the pyramids of Egypt. How do you explain that? The worldly education cannot explain it with their teaching of man evolving that ancient man was stupid, that ancient man could not do anything. Then how do you explain the pyramids of Egypt? How do you explain all the numerous monuments of big stones and huge temples that are constructed all over the place that the machinery we have today cannot even do them? How do you explain that with our worldly education that tells us lies? But with the Bible, you can explain it. The Bible says there were giants in those days, men of renown. It even goes as far as telling us that they did great wonders. They told us about them building a tower that was called Babel that was supposed to reach the tops of the heavens. This is the explanation. But the world, do they have an explanation for it? No explanation whatsoever for those huge stones. Baalbek, that temple that has stones that man cannot even lift to one. Even cut it into ten, they cannot still lift it. The pyramids of Egypt, just one block, they cannot lift it. The education of the world cannot provide you an explanation for it. But the word of God can provide you an explanation for it. So which education is worth more? We need to ask ourselves. this. We need to really settle down and ask. Is it to learn about leadership? Read the word of God. You will know what it means to be a leader. You hear them teaching oh, corporate management, business management, this and that. The Bible can teach all of those things. Look at what we studied about Joseph. Did we not learn business management there? Joseph, remember, did not go to the schools of the world. He was taught of God. And through him, the world's economy was saved. Was it the schools of the world that taught Joseph how to save the world's economy when there was famine, when there was also inflation, and when there was the whole trouble of food scarcity in the world? How did Joseph do it? It was not by going to the schools of the world. He learned it of God and so don't say that when i study the bible i will not learn things it's when we are studying it with the mere eyes that we cannot see these things but when we study it through the eyes of faith we will understand that there is a lot of lessons to learn in the scriptures like i said now even business management it is there in the bible the bible will tell you how to do it even uh corporate management all of those things you can find it in the bible but you are not going to find it the way the world teaches their own the way the world teaches is of course is going to foster capitalism it's going to foster greed and covetousness but the way the word of god will teach you it will bring a balance to this world it will indeed solve the problem of poverty how did the bible say we should solve the problem of poverty imagine such a law that the word of god gave that in the seventh year is called a year of release and whatever you own and that at that year that those who have enough should just distribute it and god said he will sustain the people at that time distribute and give to the poor there would have been no poor person in this world if those who are children of god will follow what the word of god says as his plan for the way we should live and there's much more than that in joseph's life that you can even learn from the bible there's nothing you want to learn that the word of god will teach you it just depends on how you study it and praying for the holy spirit to guide you moses knew this and that was why to him he was content he was with god and he wasn't troubled that he was not in egypt he was happy he was happy what do you think the world would call moses today Illiterate. don't mind them they are thinking they are the only ones who who has taken the, the name literate to themselves, educated to themselves so that when you don't go within the four walls of their schools, they say that person is uneducated, he's illiterate. Really? Jesus didn't go to any of those four walls of those schools neither did John the Baptist but here were the people, even Solomon did not go there and yet they are the smartest and most intelligent and wisest of people. I will, will we say Jesus was uneducated or he was illiterate? It is just the pride of this same worldly education that makes them take the word to themselves. Educated and literate. What does it mean? Anybody that goes to our school. If you, have, if you don't have anything to add to your name, B.S.C., M.S.C., P.H.D., then you are not educated. You are illiterate. Is that what it means to be uneducated and to be illiterate? No. But they are by their standards. Yes. If you follow their standards, you say Moses was illiterate, but he was the one. Not while he was in Egypt. Moses now, being under the education of God, wrote that wonderful book called job and also wrote genesis what an account what a writing go and look at the the, the structure of those books job and moses the writer's structure and anybody who even studies the word english and studies poetry and language will realize that wow this is a masterpiece of writing and he's the one that wrote the rest of them, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Here was a man educated by God. It was not under the education of Egypt that he wrote those books, but rather under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, being educated by God himself. Not only did he write it, he learned the lessons. This man's life was transformed, and he was content. He was verily educated. Now he was being literate. But what he learned from Egypt, that was not what it means to be educated. That was not what it meant to be literate doesn't mean that the sciences are bad, like we've already established. They have power and they're good. And we have to ask also when, is it wrong to go to universities? No, of course not. There are times when it is necessary to go there, like I said, to even learn the sciences, but not the f- there's a lot that can be said in this topic. Suffice to say it for today, that we must prize the education that comes from the Word of God, the knowledge of God which gives eternal life. Peace, freedom from guilt and sin that gives us righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. We must prize this above the worldly education. Why? Because the worldly education does not have power to save. You weigh it in yourselves. You judge for yourself. Which is more important? An education that will not save you when you are going to die. Or one, the signs of salvation which when properly received will give you eternal life and change your character into nobility and make you have peace of mind. Certainly, if you look through the eyes of faith, you will be content to learn of Christ like Moses did. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, thank you for the lessons you have taught us today. Glory be unto your name. Please, Lord, help us to see through the eyes of faith that we may count your word to be worth more than any other thing we learn in this life. Help us, Lord, to see clearly that truly you have a lot to teach us and that following you will not make us dull and that following you will not make us foolish but to make us wiser. Help us to see what true wisdom is and prize it above rubies and above the approbation of men. Help us, Lord, to see the foolishness in the things of this world and to be content and happy to be with you and to learn of you. Please, Lord, for all who are listening, grant them grace abundantly, that they would also understand like Moses did, to be content and to understand that they would esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the pleasures in Egypt in the world. Do this for us, O Lord, and take the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.